is to be honored. So I praise you. Your word will not return to you void. It will not. to be fully convinced we consider your words we consider the work of your hands you are the potter we are the clay help this clay to not be stubborn Lord Help this clay to not be stubborn, but to accept the things you say. Help us, help it, help people to hear. Make the decision easier. Counsel them as you have done and you're still doing not to harden their heart in the day that they hear your word spoken. So we prepare our hearts and we prepare our ears to hear what it is you desire to speak. in this portion now. Help me to bring it out, Father, the way that you desire it to be spoken. I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yes, communion? Yeah, I'm really like, really loud here. Is that, is it because I'm just talking too low? <clears throat> All right, I'll talk louder. How's that? You can bring me down. Yes, thank you. Okay, so we've got communion back there. Can you hear me still? Yeah? Sort of, kind of. You want to take me back up a little bit? Just a little bit? All right. Yeah. Take a moment to prepare your heart. Lord, is there anything in me that offends you? Search my heart, Lord. Know my ways. Show me. Thank you, Jesus, for a place at the table. If you haven't already, go ahead and take the bread. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body, broken for me. 
healing bought and paid for by your stripes I receive that I may not need it right now but your word is life to all who find it health to all their flesh the health that you paid for Lord I receive with joy and in faith and I thank you and in Jesus name I pray Amen. you go ahead and take the bread take up the cup Lord Jesus thank you for your blood which for me has ever has forever closed the curtain on sin and the power it had over me I am now on the other side of the veil <laughs> with Jesus in the holy of holies Thank you so much for your blood, Jesus. That cleanses me. And I just use this little cup of juice to remember what you did for me on the cross. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and take the cup. Worship always makes things better, you know. Praise God. All right. If you got your Bible, turn with me over to Genesis chapter 15. So this is going to be a 15-part word study. No, I'm just kidding. Genesis 15. <clears throat> so Abram, right now he's being called Abram, but of course later God changes his name to Abraham, and uh, which means uh, father of many nations. And uh, God had previously told Abram, you know, get, get out of your country, get away from your family, go to a place I'll show you. And he said, I'll make you into a great nation, is what God told Abram. You look forward into Romans where God's talking, we will, but you look forward into Romans where God's talking, or I mean, uh, where uh, Paul's explaining these things to us, even though Abram, Abraham is still called Abram at this point in chapter 15, uh, they refer to him up there as Abraham. Once God has changed your identity, it should be changed permanently. So when God tells you something about yourself, take that to heart and accept that as a permanent change. Okay? Now, but, of course, we're just going to read this, so he's called Abram here, but, you know, he's Abraham for all intents and purposes. So, verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. God calls himself our reward. He is our reward. Now, uh, so... 
Abram is, is stuck on something here. Look at verse 2. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And so if you remember, you know, by now, Abram is 100 years old, and his wife is 90 years old, and he has spent, I mean, he probably, they probably got married pretty young, and, they, and so how many years have they gone and they have never had a child? And so Abram is like, you know, because God said, I, I'm, your, I'm your shield, I'm your protection. And actually, uh, in the Amplified notes, it says it, the reference is to the Lord as Abram's king. Because you can, you can look at that word shield and in, contained in there is the word ruler. And so he's like, I'm your shield, I'm your protection, I'm your, I am your exceedingly great reward. It's, 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 it's exceedingly great. You, you cannot fathom the greatness of me as your reward. And Abram is like, I have no heir, Lord. Okay. And, and, and naturally speaking, Abram's got a point. Abraham has a point because he's like, I, you know, physically speaking, we are unable to have a child. And so he is looking to God to be the provider of an heir. Okay. Because he's like, you know, as of yet, you have given me no heir. In other words, it's impossible for me by any means, by any means to provide myself an heir. Okay, so he's like, uh, you, you provided me no heir. Then verse 3, then Abram said, look, you, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Now that, that's, he's saying that you can't, you can't count, that's how many descendants you will have. So God is, he, he has bypassed the, this whole heir thing, you know, you've given me no heir. And God's like, he doesn't even mention the heir, he just says, this is how many descendants you'll have. Okay. And then verse 6, and he believed the Lord believed in the Lord, and he, God, accounted it to him, to Abraham, for righteousness. Actually, the Amplified Bible says, and he, Abram, believed in, trusted in, relied on, remained steadfast to the Lord, and he, God, counted it to him as righteousness, right standing with God. There are two things I want to highlight to you through these verses. Number one, God has given you the ability to choose. The power of choice. Number two, God has given you the capacity to believe. Okay. First, I want to make a statement about choice. People these days talk a lot about choices. It seems like every, everything that people do these days revol revolves around options and choices and menus. You know, Lately, I, I, you know, um, someone had mentioned something about like, oh, well, you know, coffee's bad for your teeth. And I was like, and then I was like, huh. And then I just happened to, you know, someone had said something about this whole mud water thing, you know, 
sounds kind of gross to drink mushrooms, right? But it was like, I, I, I just looked it up because I'm like, what is that, you know? And now all of a sudden, every time I open up Facebook, it's like, mud water, mud water, mud water, mud water. And I'm like, who told you that I wanted to see this for the rest of my life? You know, I just, like, you know, but there's these options, you know, people are like, oh, what should I choose? Should I drink that one? Should I drink this one? Should I drink this one? And it's like their entire life is consumed with this choice. You know, what should I do? You got Netflix or some other streaming platform. You know, as soon as you click into that app, what is presented to you? Options. <laughs> tons and tons of movie titles, TV shows, documentaries. So many things to choose from. So many choices. Mankind has worked hard to be able to present ourselves with as many choices as possible. Right? We want to generate more choices. Not every choice is necessary. Or not every option is necessary. You know, a couple centuries ago, it was not uncommon for a young man to not be able to choose his profession. If his father was a blacksmith, chances were he was going to be a blacksmith. The father saw an opportunity to try to get an apprenticeship or a more lucrative trade for his son. The son might not have an option about that. Guess what, son? You're going to be a silversmith. Because the father has taken great pains and sacrifice to set up this apprenticeship. And it's like, you're going to have to say goodbye to your mother now because you need to pack your bags and move over to the next town. Because now you're going to be a silversmith. These days, people have a lot more options to choose from. You know, what college will I attend? What career do I want to go after? But I found this to be true. A person does not move forward because of their options. Because you cannot move forward unless you choose an option and move forward in it. Leave a bookmark here. Turn with me over to James chapter 1, and I'll show you what I mean by that. You probably already know, but that's okay. We can, we can still talk about it. Assuming I can find the book of James. There you are. The other day I told God, why can't I find the book of James? I'm looking everywhere. I can't find the book. James chapter 1, verse 5. Oops. He's writing this to the church, by the way. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all, liberally and without reproach. That means that God doesn't make you feel bad about asking. Have you ever had someone that you know that if you ask them for something, yeah, they'll probably give it to you, but they're going to make you feel awful about it. Right? God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. So you let him ask liberally, you know, let, let him ask God who gives all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But, but, let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. 
uh, if you're unstable, you're, not, if you're, you're going to have a really hard time receiving anything from God. It's a trust issue. You know, I have to trust him to be able to, 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 to not only be able to provide me with what I need, but be willing to provide me for what I need, provide for me what I need. And I need to be willing to recognize that he is a giver and that I will be given what I ask for upon approach. I have to believe that. And that is, that is single-minded. And people have a problem with that. You know, people will say, how can you believe for this thing that you, don't, that you don't see yet? How can you continue on for years and years and years believing this for, that God will do this for you? And you haven't seen it yet. And it bothers them that you can be that single-minded about it. But there's no other option because to be double-minded means to not be able to expect anything from God. So, we, so what is a double-minded man? A double-minded man or woman is simply this. A person who is wavering between two opinions. Wavering back and forth, unable to choose, unwilling to choose. It's a person who can't get past their options. And so they will not choose one and go only in that direction. A person who relentlessly goes after something and does not give up is a person who we would call a single-minded person. They are single-minded. They refuse to stop going after whatever they have made their mind up about. I have resolved firmly that I believe and you cannot change my mind. It's possible to be single-minded about the wrong thing, but when it comes to what God says, my goal is to help people get out of being double-minded and get them to get single-minded about what God says. That's my goal. Flip back over to uh, if you have a bookmark, leave it here. We may come back here. And then flip back over to Genesis 15. Having some trouble there. Okay, we're going to read this again from a different perspective now because Abram is considering two options, right? He's, there's two options before him. Because God has already told Abram that he was going to make him into a great nation. This is before this conversation. God had told him that, and a long time had passed from there. And so he has that promise. You know, he, he implies, sees, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Well, that implies that he's going to have descendants. And so Abram didn't say anything. I think that's wise. That when God tells you something, and in his in his telling, there's an implication there that bears witness with your heart. It's good to just go, oh, okay. You know. 
So Abram doesn't say anything because the implication is that he's going to have kids. If God says, I'll make you with a great nation, right? And so he has this promise. But then on the other hand, when he looks at his physical state, he is still childless. And God shows up and tells him, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But he doesn't say anything about a child. And so Abram's like, well, okay, okay, but... All of those blessings will then pass on to this one who is not really who, who, who is not my physical heir. So you can see what his concern is here. It's like I'll bless you with all these things. Okay, well, and then when I die, it's going to pass to to Eliezer. And so the promise that he God has made then has given Abram two options. Option one: believe in the promise God has given. Or option two, believe in what his eyes see. Now remember, one of the things I told you at the start is that God has given us the capacity to believe. I can believe whatever I want to believe. Is that not right? These days, people call that my truth. But that's a deception. Because there's only one truth. And his name is Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, but, but the, the point that I'm getting at is that a person can choose to believe anything. And they can be single-minded in that belief. So you can be fully convinced about anything. And you can choose what you believe. Because right here in this chapter, Abram chooses to believe something that alters the entire course of his life and alters the course of every world event. I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a history-changing conversation right here that God is having with Abram. What would our world look like if Abram had chosen not to believe God. It would be completely different. And so, Abram must first consider his options before he can make a decision. And as he carries on this conversation with God, there are pauses in the conversation. There are pauses. Verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, then Abram said, Abram has just said something, and then there is a pause, and then Abram says something else. Do you ever notice that? <laughs> How do I know that there's a pause? Because if there was no pause, it would not have that break at the start of verse 3 without that break where it says, then Abram said. Without that, then everything that Abram said here would all be one single statement. Abram says in verse 2, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless in the air of my house? is Eliezer of Damascus, 
pause. Why is there a pause? It's because Abram is listening to see how God will answer his question. God does not reply. Have you ever had a conversation with God that goes like that? God does not reply. So after waiting and not getting a reply, Abram goes into verse 3. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And then in verse 4, 